And welcome to another exciting episode of the Next Report podcast, Unix and Overlook Pop Culture. I'm Thomas. I'm Mitchell Brown. And I'm Zach Dotson. We have two guests uh, with us today. Uh, they are with the UCM College Republicans. They were on campus last week when the President of the United States spoke in the Student Recreation Center. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Um, I'm Cole Bagby. And I'm Mario Garciduenas. I actually used to be the old vice president of College Republicans back in my sophomore year. I'm now just you know, a member that shows up to what he can. <laughs> um, do you hold any official office with the group, Cole, or no? No. I just woke up, thought, hey, let's, uh, let's go exercise our First Amendment rights. Go see if he says anything new that he hasn't said already. He didn't, but... We went anyways. I, I guess I'll ask the first question is, it seems like there's conflict in what's been picked up in some of the so-called conservative media. I've, I was first made aware of this through a book on the, well, Fox News and the National Review, and uh, and then the official statement by UCM that nobody permitted who uh, presented tickets was denied. What exactly was the reason you guys were denied? Was it because of time constraints, or was it because of these, these are the factors concerning political affiliation. Well, we first off, I mean, take into account that when we were out there protesting, we were stuck on the opposite side of campus from where anybody was. But then when it came time, uh, what was it, about 45 minutes before the speech, we walked over, put our signs back in our cars. 45 minutes before the speech, because mind you, he showed up an hour and a half after we tried getting in. Thank you. Uh, half an hour before, the, or 45 minutes before the speech was supposed to begin, we walked up, and the uh, the guy, that, or the, uh, I guess, state police officer that was working that corner decided, or told us that we were actually only about a minute and a half late from when the Secret Service was supposed to be locking the doors, and that's with people walking about five feet behind him. So the doors weren't officially locked whenever you guys got there? Um, they, they were the thing. The thing about it that really brought it up to a, to a level where it became news is the fact of the matter that he very simply could have just said, "Sorry, guys, doors are locked already." Secret Service thing, leave. However, the way he literally said it, and I mean, I'm not quoting, but I'm paraphrasing. Pretty close. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, he said something along the lines of, uh, "Listen, it's got nothing to do with you guys being Republican because I see your shirt." CYA. Why bring that up? Why, why bring up the fact that, you know, we're, you know whether we're Republican or Democrat, if it's really just a security measure, make it be a security measure. Why, why do you have to bring up political affiliation? And then he went on there for a second, and he was like, some along the lines, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, Republican, if you're Democrat, whatever, uh, but particularly if you're Republican, obviously that's not propaganda we would want to decide. 
Now, um, just to make it clear to all of our listeners um, who haven't been following this um, series of events that have been uh, uh, coming to fruition, the college Republicans um, tried to uh, get into the last um, speech by the President of the United States on uh, the University of Central Missouri campus and were denied at the door uh, from being able to get in. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, gentlemen, but the college Republicans who did show up to see President Obama speak now, the, the original email that um, President Ambrose of the University of Central Missouri and other uh, people have put out PR releases have said every student who presented a ticket right. were not denied admission to the event. Now, did all the college Republicans, just to be clear, did all the college Republicans present tickets and then uh, consequently denied after they tried to present their ticket? We actually had about three or four extras. We, yeah, we as an organization, we were able to uh, secure tickets, even though it took us, you know, some lobbying to do so. Uh, originally, because we were... Popular, How exactly did you have to lobby to get the tickets? Uh, well, it's my understanding, originally, I, I was not in charge of this. It was actually um, Katie... Uh, Katie Bonner? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, she was one that uh, that talked to uh, somebody, you know, up above that allowed for us to be able to secure these tickets. But it's my understanding that you pretty much have to ask them repeatedly because we're an actual organization that is obviously of uh, the opposite party. Mm-hmm. They weren't quite as eager to just hand those tickets out. Now it seems rather discriminatory. To it me. does, but well, I think I, mean, I think most, politics, right? <laughs> I think most student organizations on campus. It, I mean, they have originally when they are advertising the event. It was we have 500 tickets. It's a first come first serve basis. Mm-hmm. And then they had an additional 150 tickets reserved for um, active duty, yeah, active duty military personnel and their dependents, I believe. Um, outside of the fact that it was a little odd that they would make sure that those tickets were only released when it's like 9 a.m. on a Monday when everybody's at work, that was a little odd. Right. So. Um, the The email that I received, at least from the university, didn't come into my email until about 12:30 the night before. And so, admittedly, it was a little bit short notice from the University of Central Missouri, um, given their history of actually, you know, advertising events kind of well beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to ask, um, you, all, you all said it earlier that you showed up about 45 minutes prior to the speech. Now, is that, what, did, did you all mean like 45 minutes like before Obama took the stage or before you even arrived at the event? He, or? He, it took him about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half, after we were denied entrance to even arrive in London. Okay, so... It was so, 45 minutes before he was supposed to start speaking. I believe it was like 3.07-ish. Okay. okay. I remember looking at my time. Okay. Um, the police officer who approached you all, um, who denied entrance to you, yes. you said earlier that he had made kind of an off-the-hand cuff, or off-the-cuff comment about uh, denying you guys access, although he sees your shirts. And so, Can you explain a little bit more as to what happened? Well, like I said, we uh, we walked up, and as a group, he just said, hey, guys, stop. Um, Actually, he didn't say, hey, guys, stop. He was almost a little rude as to the way he did it, which kind of is what shocked us a little bit as we were walking up. He didn't even bother for us to say, hey, man, what's going on? Where do we go in from uh-huh. or any of that? He just, he, he just literally, exactly, yeah. exactly, and said, uh, guys, uh, uh, actually... He said it more forcefully. It's almost like it's already closed. Can't come in. Like it just kind of cut and dry, which was odd. Um, a lot of the media reports um, surrounding this event from various conservative sources, such as uh, New York Daily News, 
Um, Fox News had kind of a blip about it, and CNN also had a blip about it. Um, had kind of provided some mixed details about the reasons why you guys were denied access. Now, uh, initially, Fox News and other conservative sources said that it was because of a security issue. Right. Later sources <laughs> came out and said that the um, the venue was already packed and they had it adhered to certain protocols. Can you clarify exactly? Because uh, I know that you all filed a claim. At least that's what that's what the University of Central Missouri said. Right. That a claim was filed. What was what were the details of that claim? Have those details been made, um, or have you guys been privy to those details yet? As far as the claim, no, you know we really haven't been a part of it. As far as the reports that there was still, or that you know there was just no more room and anything. I mean, the copy even said, yeah, you know, there's more room, but you guys can't go in. I mean, it was a standing room only crowd in the middle of, you know. The rec center, which for those who don't know, probably could have held two or three times as many people as were there. They, I mean, just be trying to make the president's speech look packed. They herded everybody together to the point where, I mean, we've all heard the reports of people passing out from heat exhaustion. So, I mean, something as simple as just good politics, per se. Uh, Matt Wilts, actually, the uh, communications director for the Missouri Republican Party, uh, he was one of one of the uh, people we were with that day, and, and he actually brought up a really good point. Speaking to an empty, you know, to an empty school, speaking to an empty room. If you're the president, it's probably not good politics. So why wouldn't they allow entrance if they knew that there was such a thing as empty seats? Well, and why specifically not allow entrance to somebody that you're bringing up the fact that they are from a different political party? I think I think there's probably at least a reasonable case to be made that the police officer knew that the venue was, you know, filling up really quickly. There's already 200 people who are making their way to where the president was supposed to speak. Right. And so if you let in another 50 people when, you know, the last 200 you let in is already going to hit capacity, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But was, it, but was it marked as being filled to capacity at the time? And as far as your members, you didn't have 50. How many right. of your members did you have out there? Four. four. So are, are, four, are four admitting four people... Is that going to fill the place to maximum capacity and make not. it unsafe? No. And and um, like we said earlier, UCM in its initial um, contacts with students and personnel said that 500 tickets were immediately available to students and uh, and teachers, professors, and 150 were reserved. So for military, so 650 tickets. Uh, the claims that have been come out, um, uh, the coverage that has come out from conservative and liberal sources alike. I've all indicated that estimates were about 2,000 to 2,500 people were actually in the lower gym of the Student Recreation Wellness Center. So, you're right, four people, when they already uh, breached their theoretical capacity by you know, four times as much, or three times as much, um, doesn't seem a little... It, it, it seems kind of asinine to not allow four people in. I agree with you there. Um, now, earlier, um, I asked the question of... Uh, the, the, there was a claim that was filed to the university to at least review some of the facts associated with your all's um, uh, denying admission to the event. Now, was that when did when did the UCM College Republicans present that claim? Who was that claim presented to, and what were some of the reasons why your all's claim was dismissed? 
uh, based on the uh, well, I would say based on the articles that brought this to light. I'm assuming it was actually uh, one of the girls that was with us from the uh, Mizzou, uh, from the Mizzou chapter of College of Republicans. Her name's, uh, I believe, Courtney Scott. Um, re really cool girl. She was the one that gave the sound bites to um, the media. So it's my estimation that it came through her, the, the claim that weren't allowed in as a security threat. Now, the reason why I'm assuming this was brought up as a security threat, far more than the fact we're, we're a Republican attire, is because uh, there was another couple of groups that were actually denied to be able to uh, have this freedom of speech close enough to the doors to where they could actually be heard. And they were actually deemed, they were actually deemed a security threat openly. And they were told to leave and go to the freedom of speech here. Was this, what organization was that? I was some of the groups that was that were behind us or next to us. Um, I believe it was. Well, there was, party. yeah, there were some Tea Party people there. Uh, there was other. Technically, college Republicans, not so much part of the group, just of a, you know, of that age and political leaning. And they were actually trying to protest around the Ellis buildings, which, for those of you who don't know, is right across the street from the uh, recreation center where the president was supposed to give a speech. And they were told by Secret Service and state police that, look, you guys got to get out of here because you're a security threat. Now, instead of just asking, you know, Hey, do you mind if we keep an officer over here? That would have been a totally reasonable claim. I mean, you know, it's the president. Now, now are these anecdotal accounts from the the protesters, or are these, you know, people that you've directly spoken to, such as campus administration, other personnel who are associated with the event? These were stories from people who were actually out there protesting alongside of us, saying that, you know, some of them had shown up as early as 8 o'clock, and... They were told that standing there holding a sign, wanting to be seen, uh, protesting, that was them being a security threat. Uh, police officials did, however, mention the reason why we're there was because people had already been kicked out of the original area, which is near the Ellis Building, as he was mentioning. And that's why we coincidentally had, what, like three or four patrol cars? Or like nine kids holding signs? For what, for what reason were they kicked out? Because I remember getting an email with stipulations saying no signs or placards during the speech. Did that same rule apply outside the speech, of the rec? During the speech. Right. Um, the, the original protocols that were issued by UCM were that um, basically to limit the amount of personal items you were to carry into the venue, um, banners, posters, stuff like that were not allowed. Um, if... I, my my thinking is that if you were to try to get like past security, the uh, or at least approach security, they would have turned you away if you refused to uh, give up those items. Um, now I, I want to go into I, I want to go into what the police officer said. You you all mentioned that it was police officers and secret service both deeming these conservative groups as security threats. Now they, they were just told to move across. To the university, the free speech zone, as opposed to addressing them as a security threat, probably detaining them if they were a legitimate security threat to the president. Now, from I heard no reports of anybody getting anything more than a move or else. And when it's state police, secret service, and all you're trying to do is peacefully protest and use your First Amendment rights, 
you're really not going to mess with the guys that are protecting, you know, the leader of the free world, so... Right, I mean, I find it a little bit perplexing that that campus officials, Secret Service, the patrol, uh, the police officers who are there, all deem these conservative groups to be cons- uh, security threats. To me, when I think of a security threat, I think of at least somebody posing an imminent danger either to themselves or others, which you guys were obviously peacefully protesting, given the fact that you all were not arrested at the event. You were just told to move. Um, I, I find it a little bit perplexing that that all these people said that that you all were uh, security threats. To me, either it would seem that if it was a legitimate security threat, they would have tried to at least temporarily detain you, if not just bar you from being able to protest at UCM. Well, I think a big reason why they call it a security threat was basically just because saying, oh, hey, we've got some college kids protesting, we want to make them leave, rather than go through all the red tape that they'd have to go through to basically strip us of our right to protest, they'd just say, oh, it's a security threat. Oh, you can't, wait, a security threat to the president? No, get him out, get him out, go. Right, it's just that kind of carbon That way, to, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, they, they, they throw that label on us, and then all of a sudden, everybody goes from thinking, oh, well, no, come on. You know, the reasonable people that might say, oh, you know, they may not agree with what we say, but it's their right to say it. Well, when we are suddenly labeled a security threat, then all of a sudden, I mean, all rights fly out the window because, I mean, if, like you said, we were even peacefully was, protesting, but if, as soon as we're a threat... Even just to us, I mean, just even to a regular citizen, you know, you're told, oh, the cops don't like you, okay, whatever, well, you're a security threat to the president. You're probably gonna be like, okay, okay, fine, I'll just leave. You, it's, sure. just, it's just a simple way to tell people get, get go away. That makes sense. Um, earlier, you all mentioned that um, uh, there was another student from uh, MU, the MU chapter of the College Republicans, mm-hmm. who issued the the complaint. Um, not sure necessarily who she issued it to. Um, has uh, Dr. Ambrose or other UCM personnel um, spoken to you all in any in any way? Um, clarifying the position of the university, or at least speaking to the specificity of what you all were doing on the campus. You know, that's actually something I really want to talk about. Obviously, you know, we received an email. I, I received this email this morning uh, from the uh, the uh, UCM News Bureau, and it basically says something along the lines of the fact that they, you know, they talked to everybody, and everything was, you know, thrown out as, you know, as BS, for lack of a better word. And the truth is that. Within it, they, they say some along the lines of, uh, uh, let, let me find it here. I've got a unit, I've got a... Uh, the, the official statement uh, uh, via the new UCM News Bureau is, the University of Central Missouri has thoroughly reviewed claims of individuals being inappropriately denied admission to President Barack Obama's speech on campus July 24th, 2013. These reports are unfounded. No one who presented a ticket was turned away prior to all the doors being locked in accordance with Secret Service procedures. We have confirmed everyone who presented a ticket prior to that time was admitted. Now, it, I find the wording of this email very, you know, very specific, uh, or very important is how they specify that everyone that presented a ticket, not everyone that was, you know, denied entrance, 
uh, or everyone that was protesting, they didn't talk to everyone that was protesting. They didn't talk to everyone that was not a ticket. They, they simply I, are saying that everyone... I, I, I think yeah. that has the potential to open up a further can of worms. I think if you were to say conservative groups, right-wing groups, groups, whatever, you have to address that, that emotional responses on both ends of the spectrum by saying this and not addressing the politics of, of the opposition, you can keep it as nonpartisan and generic as possible. And I get that, but the fact of the matter is that nobody talked to us about it. Uh, and now I can understand if you looked at some of the pictures, some of the pictures were just really so broad that you can tell who was who or who was, you know, running for whatever. Some Actually, the vast majority of the articles were actually posted on my Facebook wall. Hey, bro, is this you? Hey, man. Uh, yeah, way to stay out there, you know, fight for our rights and all that stuff. I thought it was uh, a little, you know, ludicrous that they spoke to everyone when me, when I was on the picture on one of the articles. Why didn't they approach me? I you think know, they know me personally. I think I, I take two issues with the official email that was presented by UCM. In the first line of their release, they make the claim that, um, well, that... The people who were protesting, who tried to get admission into President Barack Obama's speech, were denied because of the verbiage on their teachers. Now keep that in mind, because that's that's the claim that they believe the college Republicans are making. Later on in the email, it says that everybody who was who presented a ticket was granted admission into the venue to see President Barack Obama. And that all the claims associated with them being denied access to the venue because they're college Republicans, because there were students who presented tickets, whatever, it, it, it's just, it's factually inaccurate. I mean, they, you all said that you presented tickets. Yes. Yep. You all even said that you presented extra, that you had extra tickets. Yes, we yeah. had that So the claim that you all presented tickets, that every student who presented tickets was granted access to this venue is just factually erroneous. It, it's, it's absolutely baseless. Now, they do mention within the allot time, within the email. Right, they do. And But they never address the claim that you all said, uh, police officers said that they denied you access and they made a claim about the content on your T-shirts. Never in the official PR release by the university does it even address this issue at all. That there's some sort of at least political profile like that. Hey, because you're college Republicans, there is at least a question as, as to whether you are granted admission or not. It doesn't address it, and I think it's really troubling that I mean we're we're these are the claims that these student organizations are making, yet they're not being addressed in official PR releases by the university. But on the other hand, we're we're still seeing a lot of a lot of skepticism, and rightfully so because some some groups say that. People were deemed a security threat. So other groups said that the college Republicans were denied access because of just venue constrictions. You know, either time or just didn't have enough space or whatever. So I, I just I, I find this kind of appalling that the university would send out such a kind of generic statement. And going along with what you said, uh, well, actually, even when they talk about how oh, and people who showed up in time weren't denied. It's such... I almost feel like that's a cop-out excuse to say, oh, well, uh, you're actually two minutes late. Secret Service just closed the door. All right, well, can I see some sort of manifest to say that they just shut the door? 
Well, no. Another question I have, because I noticed, like, on the Facebook response from the university posted that there were some, like, pro comments and con comments, like, well, they just should have showed up on time. Was there any specific list and any prerequisite sent out beforehand when the doors would be locked and when admittance would be shut off? No. You know, and that's the thing. When we were protesting, we actually talked about, should we head over there? Because of the line, we weren't even thinking that they were going to close the doors on us. I mean, the speech didn't start till what, 5, 6, something like that anyways. 5.30, yeah. 5.30, so 5.30. we figured, you know, it's, it was still around 2.30. We're like, oh, we have time. We can show up there at 3 and still get in. So we actually put it up. If we had known that there's, you know, a specific time you have to be in there by, we would have played ball. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep because I wasn't allowed to go in. But I will say this. It would have been nice to know that there would be, even without giving us the, you know, the specific time that they were going to close, you know, the doors. If they would have said, you know, doors will be closed relatively early, you might want to get there on time. Now I understand, you know, for security reasons, and just you know, it's logical that they wouldn't say specifically we're closing doors at two forty-three and twenty-two seconds. You know, because it is a precedent, and you know, the more vague they keep it, the more they can move around within, you know, their, their security boundaries. However, it would have been nice to know that there would be, you know, an early closing time. Well, I mean, the, for a venue like this, in a, you know, in a town, you know, as small as Warrensburg, where news seems to travel at a lightning speed, it seems, I mean, you have to kind of assume that something like that would happen anyway, because, you know, you're talking about 650 tickets, theoretically, were given out. All of them were given out. And... Basically, they would allow other people to come in until they hit maximum capacity uh, as dictated by the fire marshal and in accordance with local and state laws regarding fire safety and stuff like that. Right. I mean, I mean, it's going to get it's going to get filled. It's, right. Absolutely. I mean, I mean UCM has twelve thousand students in the undergrad alone. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's going to hit capacity. Even if all the undergrads were concerned about President Obama's remarks, it's going to fill up pretty darn quickly. Absolutely, but th- that wasn't that wasn't the point with what I was saying. It it wasn't necessarily about the time constraint. It was the fact of the matter that there was there was still room and more right. about it. Right, and to be clear, I mean, I was at the event. Um, I, I I was about twenty feet away from Barack Obama when he was speaking, and looking around, it did sound ungodly for what I heard. Yeah, it was. Uh, I should have just watched on television, but uh, they they filled up a lower gym, and then originally they weren't going to have. Um, there's an, um, above the lower gym where President Obama spoke, there's an indoor running, um, track for, um, students and, and faculty. Um, originally they weren't going to allow to have people standing up there looking down because, one, they don't have enough Secret Service personnel at that venue at the particular time to oversee the 2,500 people in the lower gym plus the extra, you know, 50 to 100 people who are now standing on, on these outside railings, but eventually they allowed all those other people to come in as well. Um, I think I think what this comes back to, and what it sounds like a case of, is it sound it sounds mutable as far as the circumstances. And a couple episodes back, with the smoking ordinance, and we talked about office, officer discretion. This seems to be a case of officer discretion because there was no, nothing set in stone of this is when the doors are shut. And to uh, to a large extent, I mean, they're with something as kind of like an A-list political event as this is. Um, the, the the Secret Service, the Highway Patrol, who are um, who are here overseeing the event, 
um, the regular police officers, they have to use maximum discretion, obviously. Um, now I want to um, go into because I think what this act, what this event speaks to, um, really are free speech zones and uh, free speech on college campuses. UCM currently has a policy in which if you are either a student organization or even a non-student organization, not really affiliated with the university, that we have this free speech zone where it's um, in between... Are you talking about outside of Martin? Are you yeah, talking about outside of Martin? Uh, no, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was like uh, between like WC Morris, the Union, and the football field. Yeah, there is a free speech zone on campus. Um, it is more or less in the middle of campus. It's more towards the football field than central campus. Um, but anybody who has any political ties wants to express some sort of political or social uh, free speech um, has the ability to protest in this zone. Never mind the fact that if they're trying to protest, like, let's say, the administration or... or Well, how do you explain... You bring that up, how do you explain something like Brother Jed? Because technically, whenever he comes right. in front of the union, that's not the free speech. And I think Brother Jed's message is far more controversial than, uh, than our guest message. It certainly is, and in the regulations by the university, it specifically says... Or it, it prohibits speakers who are constantly harassing, um, herring, uh, or otherwise, you know, being, um, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, they're, they're shouting any form of speech, belittling other people. Mm -hmm. And from all the times that I've ever seen Brother Jed talk to people, the whores and whoremongers! Right. Yeah, you know what he talks about. Calling, um... Uh, using a whole bunch of racial. Um, and I've never heard. I've never heard Brother Jed say anything racial. I, I, I've just heard him say whores and whoremongers. Well, I mean, and, so college uh, campus. What does he expect? If you take out all the whores and whoremongers, it's going to be a pretty empty campus. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Brother Jed's the, the content of Brother Jed. Um, for all of you people who do not know who Brother Jed is, he's a uh, prominent religious figure that speaks at a myriad of different college campuses, especially in the Midwest. Um, very well, he was located in Columbia, but he's recently moved, I think, somewhere like Indiana. So this marked the first year this spring that I haven't seen him on campus, and I think that might have something to do with it. Right. Now, uh, it is my understanding, and for, for what I know, uh, free, this free speech zones, every university within the last 40 years or so has created this free speech, free speech zones just to be able to, you know, kind of, have some sort of control over when when and where people do their protesting, whether it, one of the most prevalent ones was uh, with, uh, you know, pre uh, President George Bush, um, when he requested at one of the campuses he visited to have, you know, these people be contained to a specific area, um, whether they were college students or whatever they were. Now, usually these boundaries are not moved around. Mm -hmm. No. Be exactly. And now here's the funny thing. It was my understanding within since my freshman year, that the freedom of speech zone at UCM was in between Martin, unlike what you had originally said, between Martin, uh, the Union, and technically kind of wood building. So it was right in front of the Union, right, more leaning towards the Quad, which is, in my opinion, a far more reasonable place to put a freedom of speech zone to where you can actually be heard. 
Uh, whereas the other place has, time and time again, what I've been told, become the place to put people because they can't offend anyone there. It becomes a way to, margin a way to marginalize and quarantine people out of sight, out of mind. And that brings up an issue that, that, that just popped into my head. Do you think that there are certain views or affiliations that are forbidden on campus or that are shunned and others that are exalted and how does well, this I play into that? I think the university's best interest, sorry to interrupt, I oh, think no, the no. university's best interest to stay as, you know, unpartisan as possible. <laughs> One, you know, they're, they're a state school. They can't really take a side either way because then they might lose, you know, funding either way. Uh, it's a sad way to put it, but realistically it is in the university's best interest to not, not be partisan. Now, something as simple as the fact that the Freedom of Speech Zone was originally with uh, Brother Jet, for example, as you were talking. He is obviously very attacking to other people. He calls women whores and all this stuff. Yet there was no problem with him being, you know, in between the Union and Martin Building four hours on end, two, three times, you know, a week for, you know, whatever period of time. However, when the person came, uh, the, not, not even this last time, whenever uh, person Clinton came, uh, to do the commencement speech, they moved that free speech zone, which was originally supposed to be there, back to where we were. Why? Because that zone in this campus, if you really look at it, any place, any venue where you can have an event, really far from it. Right. And <laughs> it's, it's, and a, it's, it's in a place where you can't get to. It's, it's kind of in the valley. Uh, there's one major road that goes through there that's not really frequented during the college years, um, or during when, um, when college is out, I'm sorry. And um, uh, to go back to what you're asking, Mitchell, I, I think you have to really look at what the culture of, of a particular institution is. We're in a part of the Midwest and, you know, in the Bible Belt. And so we allow for Brother Jed to speak on campus. Um, because I, think a great, I think a great many of the people... Who you know? Who basically verbally confront Brother Jed are probably just given statistics. Are probably Christians themselves too, but are in opposition to the, the way he structures his message. Well, right. So Brother Jed, it could be just yeah. Like I said, Brother Jed is more controversial. The, the issue necessarily isn't with the structure of the message, but what the message central tenets are, mm -hmm. and they're they're based within Judeo-Christian um, theology. And since we're in the middle of the freaking Bible Belt in the Midwest, we allow for speakers such as Brother Jed to have um, basically, you know, two hours of entertainment time in front of the union several times a year. But we don't allow for groups that have an alternative political vision to speak um, on campus wherever they want, even if it's in, you know, right in front of um, the student union. Speaking of alternative political visions... Let's rewind the clock back to around 2004. Um, country was pretty polarized then, too. You had George W. Bush versus, versus John Kerry, re-election campaign, the whole nine yards. Uh, there were instances in which Democrats were turned away from being able to be at a Bush speech because they were Democrats or because they had shirts on that said, protect our civil liberties. Um, now, my question to you two gentlemen is, what are your thoughts on something like that? Um, would you say a 
Republican is president in the future, they're running for re-election, and this happens again, would your stance be the same as it is now, that you should not violate somebody's freedom of speech so long as they're harming nobody? Oh, yeah, 100%. My issue isn't so much that a Democratic president turned away or at a speech given by a Democratic president that a group of college Republicans was turned away. It's that at a speech given by the leader who is elected by the people, any of the people, based on any reason, were turned away. I mean, yes, we are conservatives. Yes, he's a liberal. But, I mean, the same thing as when it happened with Bush. It was wrong then, it's wrong now, and if it happens in the future, it's wrong then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really just kind of boils down to freedom of speech. I mean, it's something as simple as the fact that even Democrats, as little nutty as they may have been in this situation, they were put, they were put in the same freedom of speech zone. And I, that's a problem to me. Not because you're a Republican, not because you're a Democrat. I mean, to me personally, as a libertarian, I, I almost feel, you know, like I, I belong a little bit to both sides. Uh, not necessarily, but you know what I mean. And I feel like because of that, we just allow our freedom of speech, period. And so why Democrats are allowed their freedom of speech in certain occasions and Republicans aren't? Or vice versa. That shouldn't happen. You should just be allowed to form a speech, period. I think when the... I mean, it's in the university's best interest and in all public institutions' best interest to limit freedom of speech to citizens when the freedom of speech... And, um, and others have talked about this a little bit already. When that freedom of speech somehow impinges upon the liberty or protection of other individuals. I think those, but I think those cases are very limited. You have... What immediately comes to mind is the incitement clause. I think if somebody, and given the libertarian view on freedom of speech, and that's where a lot of my views to lean as well, I think as long as somebody is not violating the incitement clause, the incitement clause, but Fred Phelps is not even violating the incitement clause, when he says, God hates bags, burn a burn, by him saying that, that's not a violation of the incitement clause. If he was to say, well, there's a bag, and I want any you to pile on, pile on and beat down, that's violating the incitement clause. Right, and the reason why Fred Phelps and the, like of, and the likes of Fred Phelps aren't arrested is because, one, they're adhering to local and state ordinances with regards to protesting at, let's say, funerals and political rallies. They have to be, what, like, you know, like 300 yards away from the event or whatever? Right, yeah. Um, they, they Same thing campaign. Yeah, yeah they, maintain, they maintain legal adherence, and on top of it, they're not, they're not directly promoting any violence or direct violence against anybody else. Now, I want to go um, quickly right back to the content of what you guys were protesting, because there's a lot of regulations that talk about, uh, with regards to freedom of speech, that talk about if it is inciting any violence or if it's inciting any form of harassment, then at least according to the university protocols, the university has every right to either bar the organization from campus or at least severely limit their freedom of speech vis-a-vis sending them to the paradoxical free speech zone. What was the content of your all's message? How, obviously, we already know how it was received by UCM. Um, and has this been any different than any other protests that you all have done in recent years? The content, honestly, was pretty bland. Um, 
you can see one of the signs, college Republicans for capitalism. Well, I'd like to think, as Americans, we're pretty much all for capitalism. Um, one, one of the protesters, <laughs> a, uh, who admittedly is a history major, so I feel like she almost asked for this, said that, I graduate in May, I'm looking forward to a lifetime of unemployment. Okay, you probably should have thought about that when you were picking your major. Um, and then a lot of them just said, you know, follow the college Republicans on Facebook and Twitter, you know. I know we were talking about Fred Phelps getting away with going to military funerals and holding up signs that says, God hates fags, and that not being a violation of other people's rights. I feel like what we were saying doesn't quite measure up to the hate in what he said. Right, that's fair. And so it would be fair to say that this doesn't really, this particular rally didn't demonstrate any deviation from your all's previous political events. No, not at all. And actually, we received an email from our president, uh, uh, Katie, or Kayla, I'm sorry, and within this email we actually had like a list of things that we as college Republicans would actually speak about. Like, if somebody, if somebody came up to us and asked us, hey, well, what do you think about gay marriage? We said, you know, let's Hold this for a different, you know, for a different venue. This is specifically going to be, you know, about the economy. Let's talk to the economy. So whenever they came to us, ask college Republicans, we specifically only talked about those things. Now, as to what other people did, you know, it's up to them and how they protest. It's up to them. But the way we did it, we did it in a fashion that was as publicly pleasing <laughs> as possible. We really weren't picketing, saying, oh, you know. Republicans are the best, and Democrats need to die. You know, we weren't doing any of that. You know, we're barely even chanting, and we weren't even chanting anything for that matter. You know, we're just there holding signs. I, I, look, I look at the picture, the, the picture of you, and to me, it looks like a, a party atmosphere. I look at this picture, and it looks can be deceiving. I don't see anything threatening about this. I don't see any security risk with this picture. But what, one thing I'd like to get into before we wrap up because we've been going on for a while now. Um, media response to this. What do you think as far as media response, local and national? One of the reasons why I wanted to do this is because it seems the local media response to this issue has been non-existent. So what do you think about the response and just future public opinion about this in the future? What could this sort of lead to? Well, uh, as far as media response on the whole, it pretty much played out like you thought it would. I mean, Fox News portrayed this as our rights being severely infringed. I'm pretty sure MSNBC probably said something about how they were right to turn us away, and CNN probably aired a story about the royal baby. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the local news not really saying much about it, the university is the biggest part of this town, except for maybe Pine Street. Um, so anything that could make them look bad at all they're probably going to use the kind of, or what pull they have to try to lean on people away from airing stories about this one way or the other. Well, I think, I think the thing is, you bring up a good point. If you look at the digital bird, there's an association with the digital bird as far as with the mule skinner, but it's its own separate entity. And there were several, and I, why isn't this covered? This is, if you're going to have full coverage, total coverage, there was a video beforehand that Josh Leonard shot of what people's reactions to Obama was coming. You had both pro and con side as far as responses, but there was nothing on this. That's why I'm like, we have to cover this if nobody else will. Honestly, I'm really not surprised with the news coverage that we got locally. 
not even a little bit. Why? Because locally, I think it's a big, bigger scoop to say, hey, you know, we are this local county newspaper that, you know, got to be 10 feet away from Obama and hear the whole speech, rather than say, yeah, well, we missed the speech. We hear it was great. However, we talked to this college Republicans nine miles across campus, and boy, did they have something to say. They, they had like an, they had an 11, I mean, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, but they had like, I think, an 11 there. They had people out at Whiteman Air Force Base taking pictures of his arrival. It could have been easy to coordinate, okay, station these people there, there and they've got protesters across the street. We'll talk to them as well to have total comprehensive coverage. Um, I want to bring attention. This is something that Mitchell brought to my attention before, before you guys got here. Um, this is a blog from somebody who's supposed to have this background in media, right? You got uh, Mario, I, I sent this link to you. Did you check it out? I read through some of it, yes. Okay, okay. I'm going to quote from a part of it and get everybody's reaction. Um, who, 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 Thomas, before you get into it, who wrote that blog? Um, an individual by the name of Matt Birdmeyer. If you, if you guys remember episode 12, you'll see on the show notes the email exchange between him and I. Um, and this is what strikes me as interesting. I'll start from this paragraph to give a perspective. The patriotic mudding was unfurled on porch railings, flags, and flag-decorated balloons lined Holden and Pine Streets. The Highway Patrol walked down D.D. Highway, and just about every piece of heavy machinery from Warrensburg Public Works blocked the sidewalks into the campus quad. A voracious line of nine, wait, 16, hang on, someone said more showed up later. Protesters queued up along the free speech zone by the amphitheater along Holden Street. A man dressed in a black t-shirt with the word infidel below some Arabic writing walked around carrying a sign that said illegal prez. Or was it the sign that said Egypt got it right? No, I think it was the sign that said impeach Obama. I asked the guy who held aloft the Egypt got it right sign how Egypt got it right. He said they overthrew the Muslim Brotherhood-backed government. So, you think we should resort to violence, I asked. Well, no, but he insisted that we must overthrow our elected leader. I asked him how it's going in Egypt. It's unstable, he said, but Egypt got it right. Who wants a president who can fly into town, complain about an obstructionist Congress, and then lay out a nebulous plan that targets our children? Our children! He actually thinks that it's okay that the university allows a public school district to train youngsters in a high-tech gadgetry, get an internship at a high-tech firm, and use that money to pay for a bachelor's degree in two years. Health insurance. Whatever, Obama. I eat dirt like all good Americans. It's full of minerals and that healthy bacteria stuff. But we have to get back our focus on what's important, Mr. Obama said. An endless parade of distractions, political posturing, and phony scandals can't get in the way of what we need to do. Nothing phony about that IRS scandal. Some guy in a trucker hat with a deer inside crosshairs that says the buck stops here told me you ordered that scandal. And you think helping kids get a high-tech education is what's important? Hey, we got the Votech. Leave that electronic wizardry to the Yu-Gi-Oh losers at the comic book shop. I'm not going to allow Red Rock Lock inaction or willful indifference to get in this country's way, he said. Where I can act on my own, I'm going to. I'm not going to wait for Congress. Whoa there, you mean as hard as the Republicans try to block? You think you can still do stuff? Invest in education? Invest in manufacturing? Invest in science and research? 
Invest in transportation. Invest in information systems. Great, more spending. Let the bridges fall that create jobs right there. You just wait, Buster. Pretty soon I'm going to coin another catchy slogan to snub you, but good. If you think education is expensive, you should see how much ignorance it's going to cost in the 21st century. Hey, what? Wait a second. All right, fine. Guantanamo. <laughs> Who the hell was that guy talking to? Like, he seemed like he was carrying on a conversation the whole time. <laughs> I've literally seen TFM writers write that on the Just going to go there. Um, part- little, little schizophrenic sounding, a little disjointed there. I mean, to me, just reading through that, it sounds like a combination. One, it makes light of the protesters, as opposed to actually... Uh, you know, getting in to what some of their complaints are, it's let's downplay this or to take one segment of protesters and, and focus on that. And during the Iraq war, when I was a student on campus, I was right there with Bob Yates on a couple of occasions protesting against that initiative, along with them. And, and in that instance, a lot of them would fry out a bit, a lot of individuals from that crowd would have fried out against, you know, being belittled like that. I see a bit of a double standard going on here, and that's part of the reason why I just am not... Some people don't seem to understand, and I notice, I do notice this more so, even though I have issues with people like Vicki Hartzler and Rick Santorum. I could never see myself voting for them. But I see more so today uh, advocates of restriction of free speech are not understanding that free speech is unilateral coming from the left. And one way to marginalize or, uh, or disenfranchise a group is to act as if they don't exist, to, uh, to ignore or ridicule their claims as opposed to being inclusive or investigating what is this really about. Like, Zach, your reaction to this? Um, I, I, I agree with Mitchell that, that the methodology that was imposed in this article was... was well, technically, I mean, technically it was an article. It was a blog post. It was a blog post. So, I mean, on the one hand, he's, he's writing to write. On the other hand, it concerns me the methodology that writers, if this is indicative of, of other writers, how they write in terms of how they view counter-political voices... It concerns me that that and, and Mitchell brought this up. It concerns me that these movements aren't getting any equitable attention whatsoever. Instead, what we're saying is focus on the superfluous details of the event, as opposed to critically investigating the political claims that um, these counter movements are making. Now, with regards to the, the article content itself, I think it's pretty clear that uh, that the, uh, this article is supposed to be lighthearted. Um, but is that, I mean, I, that, what I would ask is, is that tone appropriate for the subject matter? I would say no. I mean, the, the event itself was a was a hyperpartisan event that um, that basically uh, gave the one-two to the Congress for being obstructionist and signaling out Republicans for being obstructionist. And you know, there are claims both sides and. And the claims that both sides make about one another being obstructionists are equally valid, in my view. Um, but uh, considering the what this, if you actually listen to the speech and the content of the speech, I mean, the event was kind of 
admittedly lackluster, and I think so is the article. I mean, the tone, yeah, you probably shouldn't belittle other political movements, especially if you want to get, you know, more readership. But I have some difficulty with that, especially finding people to write for the World Square, right. but we already knew that. <laughs> what kills me about that article is that it, it's kind of like what they always say whenever there's a crime in an area, they always find the most ignorant, just goofy people to talk to. They're like trying to give shout outs to their boys, and they're like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm on TV! I mean, not to belittle anybody that was protesting with us or with the other group, but. You went up to a guy in an infidel shirt holding a sign that said Egypt got it right and you really expected him to have the most completely unbiased and cogent argument? Well, what it does as well is that it also makes um, a linkage between the college Republicans or these other political groups that, um, that identify as being conservative with, with radical Islam. And I, to me, it seems really antithetical to the purposes of trying to promote um, cogent political ideas if you're just going to make that kind of a quantum leap in association between two groups. Yeah. I mean, especially just something as simple as what he was saying, you know, the guy that he talked to was a guy wearing the infidel shirt. And here we are on the other side wearing, you know, polos and, you know, blazers. and yeah, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Let's not, let's not talk to the guys that clearly get good press and clearly know how to talk. Let's talk to the an idiot over here that doesn't know exactly anything about what he even stands for. I mean, they'd be like, you know, we went to a pro-Obama rally or like the Occupy Wall Street and skip over all the people that are sitting there giving decent, well-structured uh, arguments, go straight to the hippie, I want free health care, man! <laughs> well, who's going to pay for it? The rich, man! <laughs> well, why should they pay for your health care? Because they've got the money, man! And then immediately turning around and saying, yeah, all these guys are completely mentally retarded. And I just have to add, that's a really good Cheech and Chong impersonation. <laughs> um, that was actually more of a South Park hippie attempt, but I'll take Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I am afraid we have to bring this to a close. Um, one of our more lively, if not most lively episodes. Exactly. Um, Mitchell, it was Mitchell's idea to have this particular episode, and I do appreciate that. Thank you, Mitchell. And I want You're to, welcome. I want to thank both you guys, Cole, Mario, for being on. A pleasure. Thank you, yeah, thank you so much. Um, it this brings to mind something from Noam Chomsky himself. Um, he once said that if we don't believe in freedom of expression for people we despise, we don't believe in it at all. And, and that, and that is the whole point of this. Right now, um, what's and all that? Oh man! But. Um, and yes, yes, um, you're wanting to plug a business, aren't you, Mario? Well, not necessarily, I mean, I just figured since we have... Hey, we're college Republicans for capitalism. Blue Pile Productions, check us out on Twitter. Blue Pile Productions. Production. That was not an official endorsement, but we have no corporate sponsorship, so we can do that. Yes. Um... Wait, Blue Pile Productions, you guys 
do video? Or? Yeah, we do a uh, video. We do video uh, advertising mainly. Uh, that's because it pays the bills far better than everything else, and we're really good at it. Uh, we do uh, photography work as well and design work. And I mean, like I said, you can just find us on just Google us, Blue Power Productions. Uh, we'll be sure to include that link in the show notes. Well, thank you very much. Uh, with that, I'm going to close it out. Remember to entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Check us out at thenextreport.com where you'll find everywhere we're at at the top of the website. And yes, we do have a forum on there. Feel free to sign up and use it. If it's obvious that you're a spam bot, you will get pruned. As in, it'll get deleted immediately. I am Thomas. I am Mitchell Brown. I'm Zach Dotson. And say your names. I'm still Cole Bagby. I'm Mario Garcia-Duenas. Thanks for having us, guys, by the way. And thank you. This has been another exciting episode of the Next Report Podcast with your hosts Thomas Holbrook II, Mitchell Brown, and Zach Dodson. Our website is thenextreport.com, where you may view show notes and listen to our other podcasts as well as consume other content. The intro to the show is from J.T. Bruce's Plunge into Hyperreality, a part of his album, Dreamer's Paradox, available under Creative Commons at gemendo.com. We are on other social networks such as YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Google+. Remember to entertain yourself, educate yourself, and empower yourself.